What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua, and I'm the world's mayor. So great to have you here today. We are going to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer and Jesus Christ today. Oh, yeah, we're doing it. Um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. But first things first, we're on the Live Mono Worldwide. <laughs> that's, that's the name of the foundation. We're on the Live Mono Network uh, right now. You can find us by downloading our app. Uh, on the App Store, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your computer, your smart TVs like Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Podcast Network, we're there. Just look for the Live Mana Network. And of course, you can go to livemana.org and you can find us there. You can find all of our content over the last few years. Um, and of course, I think we've done probably over 600 broadcasts total since we started. And so some of the old stuff is no longer there. Uh, it's no longer on YouTube, but, but it's floating around somewhere. But anyway, uh, those of you who know about the kind of broadcasts that I've done, this may not be surprising to you, but then again, maybe it is. I am the author, after all, of The Devil Inside Me. Uh, this is my story. No, I was not a serial killer. Uh, no, I was not a molester, but I was still a freaking devil and a nightmare. And... Um, so, and part of the calling that I have in, 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 in this world is like, I don't believe that I'm going to be relatable to the masses. Um, the, the subject matter that I talk about, the things that I feel led to discuss, how that, I mean, even the way that I talk about the Bible doesn't really resonate with everyone. Um, and of course, you know, now having a bit of a, uh, how, what's appropriate? I don't even know what the appropriate word to describe this path that God is now not just, I, I don't, I believe that we've always been on the same path and it's just, it's fitting that now we are working with civil commitment laws, getting to meet uh, not just prisoners, but the prisoners' families and getting to work with the, a true example of basically people living in hell on earth, um, which is living in places that a dark, the darkest shadow worlds that most people don't even know exist. And, um, there's a shadow world that I was involved with. Um, that was more of the, the chem sex, uh, the chem sex world, uh, very dark, uh, you know, well, I mean, anytime you're on a four day meth bender and having sex at the, the frequency and the places and the ways that I was doing, uh, you get to see a certain level of evil and you see things that I don't even think movies <laughs> depict very well in which honestly part of the reason why we wrote the devil inside me the way that we did and made the movie the the concept film the way that we did was because we wanted to portray the truth as the truth in other words we didn't want to censor anything because that's the level of evil uh, that I was and I feel led to talk about serial killers and sex offending and all the other things that I talk about because I believe that where light can be exposed the loving light the love of Jesus when his light can be shined into the darkness the shadows the darkest corners of the world people can find a way out of hell. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how much 
credit I deserve for talking about bold subjects because honest to God, I just like feel led to do it. I don't think I, I don't feel very brave. I don't feel very anything except for the fact that I'm watching Jeff, Jeffrey Dahmer last night on Netflix and I know that some of it's been sensationalized, but I've been watching this portrayal and I've seen other documentaries and I've read books <laughs> Um, I used to follow mob bosses and serial killers. Like, that's what I read about. When I read, I read about that because I wanted to understand that world and that mindset. But I stepped away from all of that for the longest time because, well, it's evil. I mean, it's really hard to watch and read about people being murdered, raped, brutalized, cannibalized, um, and so on. It's hard to hear about that. But for some reason, I felt led to watch Dahmer. And I watched it. Every bit of it. every All ten episodes. And I gotta be honest. Uh, I felt sorry for him. And at the same time, I mean, of course I felt horrible for the victims, the victims' families, and all the lives that were destroyed. But I felt bad for Jeffrey Dahmer. I watched it, I think I've said on a couple of previous broadcasts that I'm watching this and I'm watching the relationship with the dad and it's like, I can't say it was much different. I mean, my dad didn't teach me how to, you know, cut things open. He taught me how to gamble on the golf course. I learned a few other things that I won't go into right now, but watching that relationship dynamic, I can totally see how the evil was aggravated inside Jeffrey Dahmer. And, and at the same time, I related to him. This sounds so weird. But I related to Jeffrey Dahmer because I remember, like him, I cried out for help. And in my case, I cried out for help because of what, what, what was happening to me when I was molested the first time and the response I got, I, I got to say that had contributed to so much of the self-inflicted damage that I did. And on top of that, that, that I self-inflicted damage I did to myself. But on top of that, I, the, the, the confusion in my mind, that had taken place because hearing little boys do those th kind of things was a bigger mind F than I can even begin to express to you because I still didn't understand why I was having these night terrors. I still didn't understand why I was scared. I still didn't understand why I felt so good too. I didn't understand why pleasure and pain seemed to go hand in hand. Uh, and it goes deeper than that. And obviously, Dahmer went a whole different direction than I did. But again, I've I said this on a broadcast a couple days ago, I don't look at sin and say, your sin is worse than mine. I don't judge that way. So I can't look at, I'm a chem sex addict, and 
the worst imaginable kind, I would, or not imaginable, that's an exaggeration, but it was really bad. And again, it's in our, it was in the book, The Devil Inside Me. I mean, it's, it's right there. And all of the details, so I'll spare you all of these details. But I can't look at my sin and look at like a Jeffrey Dahmer or a John Wayne Gacy and go, it's any different. And so this is why I'm doing the broadcast I'm doing today about Jeffrey Dahmer and Jesus. Because one of the things that highlights in the very episode, the final episode, and those of you who know anything about Jeffrey Dahmer know that other than being a complete evil maniac, he gave his life to Jesus. And a lot of people believe that it was fake, that it wasn't real, that he belongs in hell. And I would like to contend that Jeffrey Dahmer belongs in heaven if he gave his life to the Lord. And uh, so I, I was curious about what has been discussed about Jesus, Jeffrey Dahmer, salvation, him going to heaven. I've seen some people, I, don't, I still don't understand why Christians believe that when you die, you go immediately to heaven, when in the Bible, it's pretty clear that that's not how it works. You know, there's a, there's a waiting period. And when Christ returns, of course, then the dead bodies will raise and go to heaven, along with those who believe. There's, that's what Christians believe, right? So no one's in heaven or hell right now that I'm aware of, except for, I guess, the people that it says in the Bible are. I, I, I don't know all that. I think, um, not Paul, Ted Cummett. Paul's not in heaven yet. You know, his dead body's still waiting there. So anyway, I, that's, that's a whole other conversation to get off on. But the fact is, the question at hand is, can, could Jeffrey Dahmer be really forgiven? Could he be given, for, could Jeffrey Dahmer be forgiven for his sins? For the murders? The raping or being a homosexual. Because, you know, some people say that homosexuals are detestable. You know what's interesting? Because I did an episode, again, on talking about where, when homosexuality, that word was actually put in the Bible, in the original word that was there. Um, and it's it's on our website. You can find it. It's on our app. But it, it gets into the, the truth about that. But it's interesting because society likes to choose whose sin is greater than the other. We celebrate serial killers, but we sex offenders, we look at as the worst of the worst. And of course, the other motivations for doing a broadcast like this is because we have been talking a lot about civil commitment, which does deal with sex offenders or those that have been accused of uh, sexual violence. And, uh, I mean, there's more to it than that. But of course, as I'm watching this Dahmer and I know, I know some believers that are in these shadow prisons, uh, that are, you know, wrapped up in civil commitment. Uh, the, there's just the, the abyss. Um, but I know some believers, like some true men of God that are stuck. And so, you know, 
they're forgiven, right? I know another man that became a pastor or a true man of God, an evangelist, if you will. And he was arrested with young boys. He turned his life around. God forgave him. So God, can God forgive sexually violent people? Can God forgive serial killers, cannibals? I believe yes. But I want to get into some actual conversation, some Bible verses, and some commentary that I found when researching this subject. Um, and Because I wanted to know what people, other people were saying about it. Because I believe in my heart that Jeffrey Dahmer... And, and if you read the pastors, and we're going to get into quotes from the pastors that saved, like helped him save and baptized him, uh, get into some quotes that they talked about. And I believe with all my heart that his salvation was sincere. His, his coming to Jesus was sincere. And yet, at the same time, and what you'll see in some of these articles that I read and I go over, there's a lot of believers that say he belongs in hell. It's a very interesting subject. This this subject can God does God forgive? Does He truly forgive all sins? Because I would think that if He does, and I believe He does, that should give hope to everyone. Because I don't know. I mean, part of the reason not to, I'm going to plug the book again, but part of the reason why we wrote the Devil Inside Me the way we wrote it. Part of the reason why we wrote this book this way was to show just how evil someone can be. And yet, watch what Christ has done in the, does in their life, or can do in their life, or will do in their life, or has done in their life. That's why these, you know, the, 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 these testimonies that people give that are like, Oh, I was a sinner. I, I lusted after the female or the... What, I, and I... And I looked at women up and down and I stared at them and I looked at their boobies and no, I think that's not going to move the meter with people. Or I was, oh, I, you know, I was a violent person. I was mean and I was nasty and I cursed at people. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> at least the people that I, though, let's put it this way. You, you come in giving a testimony like that with the people that, uh, that come from the shadow worlds that I came out of, it's not going to move the meter much. Because the people in the worlds that I came out of, you know, se seven years ago. Gosh, it's almost been, yeah, it's almost seven years now. Golly. Um, they, that, the, those worlds are so dark. And, and so desperate and so void of any light, any love, any hope. It's just give me more evil or death. So do you think that a testimony of saying, oh, I stared at boobs too long or I had a masturbation problem or I had a. I didn't mean to do the hand visual there. Sorry. Uh, habits die hard. No, we have to be honest. And, um, and one of the most interesting things to me is that Dahmer showed the act of, ultimate act of repentance because he told the whole truth about what he did. 
And mind you, at that time, I can't say that it was Jesus pushing him to do it. But he did. He confessed to all of it. And how Jesus started to work on him, I don't know. But I took a glance at a couple articles we're going to get into because some of the quotes were amazing. The commentary was really, really cool. So I just figured, you know what the heck? We're going to jump into this. God put it on my heart to talk about it. I went to go search for information, found enough information that I thought was interesting, and I want to share it with you. Because here's the deal. If God can forgive a mass murdering, serial killer, uh, rapist, pedophile, cannibal, alcoholic, pervert, if you can forgive that, don't you think he can forgive you too? We'll be right back after this. That was probably like the weirdest entrance to a prayer ever, but I kind of do that because I don't necessarily always think that I'm going to pray before a broadcast. And then I realized that I very well could say a bunch of stuff that I may end up wishing I didn't say. So Holy Spirit, I need you right now. Please speak through me. This is a delicate subject. So please allow me to speak with love, with grace, with truth. Uh, without being a complete moron, just like speak through me because I, you led me to do this message for a reason. So please give me the right words to say to make this apply to the people watching. I love you. I surrender this broadcast to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have no idea what's about to happen, but let's do it. Jeffrey Dahmer, from serial killer to disciple of Jesus. Here's what I bet. I bet there's going to be a lot of transformation stories like this. 
I mean, this is old, of course, but Jesus has, sa Jesus has saved more evil people than just Dahmer. I know that. And, and to be honest, we want to share their testimonies. Part of, by the way, what we want to do with the concept film, The Devil Inside Me, which is my story, and it's really not even about me. I just want to prove the concept will work. Um, we want to share devil inside me stories of other people. Your devil inside me story. We want to make them movies and books and you, you get all the benefits. Like you get to keep it. The money. That's what we want to do. One of the things that we want to do as a foundation. Because we want to show you, show the world what God can do in people's lives. My story's crazy. It's not pleasant. It scares people away from me. Especially with the fact that I can be honest about where I'm at. I'm not your normal Christian. And I don't call myself a Christian. I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. God is my father. He is my creator. He is the God of redemption. Like everything that I have in my life is because of what God has done in my life and done through me. But I can't, like, I, sometimes people say, well, you shouldn't talk about your past so much. Well, I'm not living in my past. I'm moving forward. But got to give you some context that I am qualified to talk about these demons. And I'm also qualified to talk about that God can heal and cure and save the souls of the most evil people on the planet, even those that, that believe that they were born evil. I don't believe I was born evil. Did I have generational sins transfer over? Oh, for sure. But I wasn't born evil. Evil things happened to me, and then I didn't get help, and then I became evil. But God can change anyone's heart, mind, and soul. Proof of this. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Matthew 27, 38-44 As Christians, we often refer to one another as brother or sister. If I were to tell you that one of the most notorious serial killers of our, of our time was now someone we ought to refer to as brother, would that bother you? Would that bother you? If you're in church, you're praising Jesus, and 
a saved John Wayne Gacy comes in. Jeffrey Dahmer, Jeffrey Epstein, whoever, and is worshiping next to you. How do you react? If you see Jeffrey Dahmer walk up and lay down at the pulpit and pray or ask for prayer or ask for hands, how are you going to react? Now, for me, the church, I, the church that I was a part of and did the Saturday night service when I was in Oklahoma, Word of God Church in Oklahoma City, at the time I was there, the, most of the congregation was either ex-con or convict. Most of it. Like, most, most, most. The pastor, former drug dealer, like one of the, one of the top drug, drug dealers in Texas, Back, you know, in the day. I'm sure he's killed some people. I've never actually asked him that, though. <laughs> I think I knew the answer. I mean, so for me, I mean, I've been doing street ministry. You see the demonic. And you're there. To bring Jesus and hope to them. To encourage them. To maybe try something different. If they want a better life. So, I mean, for me, it would be exciting. And maybe it's because, you know, growing up, my parents, even though, like, we grew up in, you know, upper middle class home and going to the country club and doing all that stuff. And my parents had a true heart for those that were less fortunate. They raised us to treat everybody with respect. So whether you're a billionaire or you're the poorest of the poor, treat you the same. We're going to extend the same love and respect to you or to them as we would anyone else. I watched my father when he had patients on the witness protection program, like how he cared for them. And these were some evil dudes. One, I don't even know if I'm, it's been so long. <laughs> Surely I could say his name. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but, like, I watched my father show love to, to uh, one guy in particular, I remember, like, every nurse quit. Every time a nurse went to his house, uh, went out to this guy's house, who was a mob, who was a mob boss that was on witness protection. And, um, gosh, that was a wild time in my life. Um, but he, but my father, like, just loved him and would not kick him out of services. He just always was there for him. Like the guy was so out of his mind from syphilis in his brain, he was eating his dog's dog food for food. And my dad just always took care of him. Like, and this is one of the, he's evil and gross and nasty. And my dad just always showed him love. And I mean, I did too. I, I liked him. I, my whole, I mean, I've always been drawn to 
evil people for some reason. I, I don't, I, I can't explain it. And now I, it's no different. I give my life to the, I used to watch these documentaries on these serial killers and mob bosses and hitman and, and, and drug traffickers and like, cause it was interesting to me. And it hasn't changed any at all, except that now I see it through a completely different lens than I did before. I can't even tell you the lens I used to see it through. But now again, I'm watching Dahmer and I'm like, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him that no one listened to him when he was crying out for help. I feel sorry for him the way his parents treated him and what he dealt with with watching his mom and dad fight and, 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 the, and, and, and being abandoned. And then, you know, and then I, and I have compassion for the fact that, you know, when he's like, okay, he knows he's gay. And that was a time where, you know, it wasn't exactly accepted. There was no movement, at least that was, was a global national movement like we have now. And so like, I, I feel bad for him for that because I think about the suffering that people go through with just keeping secrets about their sexuality. That in itself. And and then being shamed and beaten and 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 and, and uh, uh, discriminated against because I mean with all the other issues and that fragile fragile ego. These are the, the this is the recipe for how monsters get created. All these things: neglect, abandonment, abuse, rejection. And essentially, to me, all this proves is we need love. We are hardwired to need love and to, to receive love and to give love. It's the greatest commandment of all. And yet, when I just na name all those things, neglect, abuse, lying, shame, guilt, not being heard, being silenced, none of that is, is rooted in love. Not everybody turns out to be a Dahmer, but evil still can grow in people when there's no resources and there's no one there to listen, no one there to help, no one there to love. Okay. So, as Christians, we often refer to one another as brother or sister. If I were to tell you that one of the most notorious serial killers of our time was now someone we ought to refer to his brother, would that bother you? For many, it does. It bothers them that someone who killed and dismembered people is now calling himself a Christian. It bothers them that this killer was also convicted of cannibalism and now that he has accepted Jesus as his savior and repented of those sins, he will not face eternal damnation. It bothers many Christian that Jeff it bothers many a Christian that Jeffrey Dahmer's sins were not too much for Jesus. Is it my my wife brings this up all the time, but you know taking communion, it's the blood of Jesus, bread is his body, his flesh. <laughs> I mean, the symbolism is cannibalistic, and I know what it says in the Bible. 
you know, about taking communion. And, and, and I had this, in this ritual that we do in churches, but I, I never thought about it at all until I, uh, until she brought it up because she was always creeped out by it. Even after giving her life to the Lord, she was always creeped out by it. And like, now I'm thinking about it going, well, how's this any different? Figuratively. Figuratively, literally, like, how's it different? Because symbolism, I mean, okay, if lusting after another man's wife is basic, is committing adultery, because, you know, you've gazed too long, you've already committed, because you were staring at her boobies too long, you've already had sex with her. You've already committed that sin. So... I know this is a weird analogy, but with the symbolic nature of eating flesh and drinking blood is, it's kind of like cannibalism. I mean, I know there's probably great arguments to, you know, to go, well, this is why it's okay. <laughs> but I mean, still looking at it the way, I mean, just stepping back and looking at it, just like, it, 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 it kind of creeps me out now, to be honest. But the Bible says to do it, so we're going to do it. But the Bible also says eye for an eye, and we won't go there right now. A minister from Wisconsin named Roy Ratcliffe got a call from the prison holding Dahmer back in 1994, asking him if he'd be willing to baptize an inmate. Well, of course. The minister said he would, and much to his surprise, the inmate who made the request was none other than Jeffrey Dahmer. Roy performed the baptism. The, the murder, murderer repented. Ratcliffe and Dahmer continued to meet weekly after this, and according to Roy, the baptism was real. Dahmer's faith was genuine. Ratcliffe says that the question he gets most often concerning Dahmer is whether or not the baptism took. Is his conversion sincere? The question doesn't surprise Ratcliffe, but he what he does what does surprise him is that many of the people that ask that question don't seem to like the answer of yes, Dahmer repented. Seems they would prefer the answer of no, Jeffrey's going to hell. As if the blood of Jesus was somehow too weak to cover the sins of this man. That's essentially what that would be saying. Any believer that is suggesting that Dahmer belongs in hell is not living out what, well, he's not, they're not living and walking out the Christian life. They're not. It's hypocrisy at its finest. And even worse, by saying that Dahmer doesn't belong in heaven, it, since he's repented and given his life to the Lord, by saying that and he go, belongs to hell, what are you saying for the rest of sinners when the only unforgivable sin is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit? You... I was cursing out God when I got saved. 
my faith is genuine. I, I, don't, I don't even need to have this debate. I live my life in service to the Lord. You, you don't have to like the methods. You don't have to like the fact that I'm sitting talking about serial killers and Jesus. I don't care. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm serving the Lord. I'm defying what the world would want of me to do what God's told me to do. And when you're doing what God has told you to do, that doesn't mean the community think tank. That doesn't mean the whole church. I, got, I had to go get the approval of the church before I do what God has led me to do. do you, what kind of psychotic bullcrap is that? The church doesn't speak for God. God speaks for me. God speaks for you. God speaks through you. God speaks through me. I mean, sometimes it's my, it, it, it's someone else that speaks through me. But what I'm saying is, it's not up for other people to determine that you were fit to do something. Or that the, no one else gets to determine what God has already said for you. You get the point, I hope. So that's insane. Like that ruins it for everyone else. Because again, let's go back to adultery. I'm staring at the boobies. And I'm wanting to put my face between them. But I'm thinking it, so that means I've already done it. So, okay. What about all of you people that have been so angry? You could kill. But you didn't. But you thought about it. What about you? Because if thinking about committing adultery is committing adultery, what is thinking about killing? Then how you did any different? Because you didn't go through with it? But the Bible doesn't look at it that way, does it? So anyway, we want to serve a God that can forgive a Jeffrey Dahmer, a John Wayne Gacy, a Ted Bundy. Near the end of one of the visits at the prison, Dahmer expressed to Ratcliffe his feeling of sorrow for the crimes he committed. This is what he said and how Ratcliffe responded. This happened as the guards signaled that their time was up. I feel very, very bad. This is Dahmer. I feel very, very bad about the crimes I've committed. In fact, I think I should have been put to death by the state for what I did. I agree with you. You should have been put to death by the state for the crimes you committed. Dahmer replied, if that is true, am I sinning against God by continuing to live? Boy, you sure picked up a, a time to bring this up. We can't go into all this now, but I can see where you were going. I asked him to read the first half of Romans 13, 1-7, before my next visit. So we're going to read that. That passage relates to your question. Okay, so... Let's do this. That's Romans. I don't know why I didn't copy that. Romans. Forgive me while I fart around the computer. My imaginary producers um, are not here to do this for me. Ooh. Well, 
This is not what I was expecting to read. Let's see if the voice translation is here. There it is. Okay, Romans 13. It is important that all of us submit to the authorities who have charge over us because God establishes all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, a person who rebels against authority rebels against the order he established. And people like that can expect to face certain judgment. You see, if you do the right thing, you have nothing to be worried about from the rulers. But if you do what you know is wrong, the rulers will make sure you pay a price. Would you rather... Would you not rather live with clear conscience than always having to look over your shoulder? Then keep doing what you know to be good and right, and they will publicly honor you. Look at it this way. The ruler is a servant of God called to serve and benefit you. But our rulers aren't exactly doing that right now. But he is also a servant of God, executing wrath upon those who practice evil. If you do what is wrong then you better be afraid because he wields the power of the sword and doesn't make empty threats. Ironically, I'm pretty sure the guy that killed Dahmer, who was also a believer and who also thought he was like a mercenary for God, this is probably the verse he used to kill him. Just my guess. So this says this is the commentary and why I love this version of the Bible. At the time, Christians are a tiny minority within Judaism. A minor religion in the largest empire of the world that the world has ever seen. Minorities are often the subjects of rumors, suspicions, and innuendos. Christians don't need to add to the problem by developing a reputation as lawbreakers and rebels. So, kingdom citizens are not to dodge taxes or cheat on fees imposed by legitimate governing authorities. Not that illegitimate. Now I don't have a problem with this verse as much. Okay. Ultimately, those who follow the truth of the gospel under the banner of the anointed one may find themselves at odds with the powers that be. But Paul's counsel here is not a blanket approval of any and every government that may arise in a broken world. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, I like that much better because I've always had a problem with that verse. Okay, so submission is not optional. It's required. But don't just submit for the sake of avoiding punishment. Submit and abide by the laws because your con conscience leads you to do the right thing. Pay your taxes for the same reason because the authorities are servants of God. Not these. Giving their full attention to take care of these things. And not this government. Pay all of them what you owe. Not this government. If you owe taxes, then pay. Not this government. If you owe fees, then pay. You get the point. In the same way, give honor and respect to those who deserve it. I like that. Okay, go back to this. Okay, so that's what he had him read. Um, so, no one is outside the reach of Jesus. There are no sins that he can't forgive. His blood is sufficient. His resurrection was for all. Not just a few, not just for those who committed sins less se severe than Dahmer's. That is the main point here. Is, again, if, if, if the blood of Jesus didn't cover all sins, then what hope would we really have? So imagine, it's hard enough for people to, 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 just, to go, 
like people that just are like porn addicts and alcoholics and drug addicts or just a drug addict or just a codependent or just somebody that's really really depressed or someone that you get it like regardless of what we've done it's hard enough to believe that God would forgive us it's hard enough I was one of those people I've already done so much evil I am too far gone I'm too far gone so why care I just want to die and every time that I injected myself or snorted or smoked or whatever I mean, I believe me, I've been found as many ways to use drugs as possible. Like, I'm, I'm beating myself up. I'm abusing myself. And every single time, I'm just like, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I die. Unless if I was in the middle of an overdose and I'm like, oh God, please don't let my mom find me like this. Of course I didn't believe that God could change me or save me. Or even make me normal. Or heal me. Or anything. Even after giving my life to the Lord, I wasn't really sure. I just... I just knew. Like, when, when I went through the process of like, I'm after I'm cursing at God. Why won't you fix me? Why won't you change me like everybody else? And I'm leaving the curse words out. And when God starts talking to me. And, 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 and one, helping me realize that, well, I hated my dad, but, well, it happened to him too. And, and then all the reasons I hated my dad, well, I was doing all the same stuff, but worse. And then, and then realize too, after dumping all this out and asking my dad, my earthly dad for forgiveness, even though he was dead, and then, and, and then ask and saying, my life is no longer my own, take my life, it's yours. And what came after that was seeing all of those glimpses that God had shown me before, basically proving that God had been with me the entire time. He never abandoned me. And he just said, these, basically, it was showing me that all those flashes, those visions that I showed you of a different life was the life that I chose for you. And so I realized that I'd spent my entire life running from what God created me to do. Now, of course, I never thought I would be talking about serial killers and Jesus or the sexuality in the way that I do or the mental health. I didn't, none of that stuff, but whatever, like I wouldn't trade it for the world. Never thought I'd get getting to work with the accused sex offenders, and I, I never, never, never considered it. But yet, I'm so grateful for it. Because God can heal anybody and everybody, including a monster like me, including a different kind of monster like Jeffrey Dahmer. No one is outside the reach of Jesus. There are no sins that he can't forgive. His blood is sufficient. His resurrection was for all, not just a few, and not just for those who committed sins less severe than Dahmer's. I know it's hard to wrap your head around the idea of a man like Dahmer being forgiven after the horrible things he's done. God's grace through knows no bounds. There is no limit to his love, and he wants us all to come to him and confess 
and accept the gift that Jesus brought. He set the table when he confessed. I know it sounds wild, and I don't know the exact time from his confession to finding Christ, but just releasing those secrets is enough. Like you're removing it. You're making room for God to do something when we confess. I mean, mind you, not everybody's confessing to, to, to eating people. But confession nonetheless. I mean, confession is a form of surrender. Surrender is how you find God. Or, of course, when you find God and you realize that he was actually there with you the whole time. I mean, that's, that's the truth, is he's with us the entire time. What helps me understand Dahmer's situation better is the transformation of a man named Saul. You know him better as the Apostle Paul because we don't like to think about what crimes against God he may have committed prior to his transformation. But the truth is that Saul and Dahmer have a lot in common. They both committed unspeakable crimes against humanity. They both were forced to face their transgressions head on. And they both ended up following the Lord Jesus. Another example comes from the passage of scripture I started with. We all know that Jesus was crucified between two criminals. Various translations of the Bible call them rebel, rebels, revolutionaries, thieves. But the big idea is that these two broke the law in more ways than one. Hence, they're hanging on a cross. These two crooks were headed straight for hell. As the crowds walked by and hurled insults at Jesus, the two rebels also insulted him until one of them had a spontaneous conversion. This is what he said to his two cross-bearing companions. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 41-43. And just like that, Jesus says that today, this rebel who moments ago laughed and scoffed at Jesus would now be invited into heaven with Jesus. The man who mocked the Son of God was going to heaven for no other reason than the fact that he confessed that Jesus was who he said he was. I'm sure many could have looked at that last minute conversation and questioned the sincerity of it, but Jesus knew the man's heart and granted him eternal life based on that one short conversation. The people who knew that rebel before the cross, like the people who have heard about Dahmer before prison, would say there's no way that that guy repented and changed his ways. He is far too evil. Yet Jesus accepts their pleas for forgiveness based on the fact that the plea is genuine and the cross was enough. The thief who mocked Jesus, Saul before he became the Apostle Paul, and even Jeffrey Dahmer have more than just one thing in common, but most importantly they have in common the fact that Jesus died for them. Jesus was buried for them, and Jesus rose for them. 
And that means for Christians worldwide, we have in common with Jeffrey Dahmer the love of Jesus. We have in common the fact that we were once rebels in the eyes of the Lord, and it was Jesus' blood that saved us, not our own actions, for no matter how good we think we are, we'd be heading to hell. It was Jesus and Jesus alone who chose whom he would die for, and that's everyone. And all you have to do is accept it. There's another article here. I'm going to put it in the media kit. And of course, if you're watching, um, uh, if you're watching this right now, then the media kit's available. So you'll find the links on our website, livemana.org. Um, you can go there. Also, you can scan that barcode. Uh, we are, like I said, a viewer and listener supported network uh, and nonprofit media organization. We're a 5013 nonprofit media organization. Um, and we are here to serve and we would love to serve you. We don't charge for our services. Uh, for those that don't have the money, we are not going to let money get in the way of helping people when we can help and we have a lot of resources. So please reach out, uh, if we can be, uh, you know, you can go right to that website and there's a contact page. You can find us, you can book time with us. Uh, you can even be a guest on the show. Uh, Whatever you want to do. Anyway, uh, we do appreciate you you, you sewing into us. And uh, we are a much different ministry, obviously. But we don't want to be like anyone else. And, uh, you know, I, I looking back at this, actually, this just came to mind. And I'm going to share it because I feel led to. You know, I, about a year ago when we first moved here, we were still going to uh, one of the, the main, bigger churches here in Minnesota. And um, even though I was just dying inside when I was going. Um, I, you know, just didn't feel welcome, didn't feel like I belonged, and also was trying to serve and wouldn't, they wouldn't let us serve. And that's kind of been the case at every church we've been to, except one, uh, which is Word of God Church in Oklahoma City. So shout out to you guys and uh, my brother's keeper and my sister's keeper. But, you know, I was hurt. And I was mad and angry at the church. I was angry at all of the preachers and the other Christians that had come in my life that had at one time made me feel welcome that turned their backs on us. And like, whatever. Like, probably made them uncomfortable. Because unlike a lot of Christians, I walk around talking about my screw-ups. I talk about my sin. I don't say that I'm, you know, I don't, I don't talk to be to people really about the things that, so that what they say is when you're preaching, like you can preach on the subjects you've been delivered from. Well, okay, I do that, but I also talk about the things that I haven't been delivered from or the things that I struggle with. And I know words have power, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I have things figured out when I don't. I'm not going to do that. I refuse to. Because here's the thing, if I'm not honest about where I'm at, and yet I'm around another believer who's secretly struggling with something, am I being a true brother by not being honest with them? Because what if what I'm going through is something that they've been delivered from and they can help or vice versa? I... 
Anyway, we're different. And we're always going to be different. And that's okay. I'm, 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 I'm good. But when we set out for this mission to be a voice for the voiceless and to elevate other voices for the voiceless, a big part of that was taking a spotlight on the shadow worlds that I came out of and even my own shadow world. So people knew what it looked like not to rat people out. Like, I can't tell you the amount of preachers and, and other things like, and uh, people that work in the church, the worship directors and uh, people that are deacons and things like that that I saw in bathhouses or I hooked up with on sex apps or, okay, I, I just can't tell you. It's endless. And it's, and the, and the thing that's contributing to any of that, those actions from these people are that they're, they, they are keeping secrets. And I understand why somebody would want to keep the secrets, but I don't think you just go straight to the bathhouse or straight to the sex club or straight to the hookup app. Like it's a progression. And it usually starts with hiding something, not being sincere, not being honest. Not being transparent about where you're at. Who, how does anyone know to help if you're not honest? And I mean really honest. Let people feel you. I'm so grateful that God has like cornered me into this, 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 this area that we're focusing on right now. Because... It's like, it's, it, it, for some reason, I feel like I understand it. I under, understand hookers. I understand pimps. I understand porn stars. I understand whores. I understand cheaters. I understand abusers. I understand victims. I understand demons. But dadgummit, I also understand the love of Jesus. And His grace. And I believe with everything in me that God can and will heal and deliver the willing. And he can take all that evil and give it purpose. I wish Dahmer had lived longer because I would have loved to hear and his actual testimony. I'd love to know what that was. If you're a killer, if you're a drug addict, you're a gangbanger, you're an abuser, a narcissist, you're a chem sex addict, you're a homosexual, you're, you're, you, you, you have HIV, you have AIDS, you have demons, I don't care. I'm, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and if I can ever do anything for you, even if it's just listen to you, please reach out to me. You can get Go to this website, and you can contact us. We're here to serve, not here to judge. We're not perfect. I'm not going to act like Jesus perfectly every time. But we're not going to judge you. And we're here to serve. And we're here to pray for you. And we're here to love you. You are not alone. And God's not done with you yet. Thank you for watching. God bless.